The test is ready. Rachel wrote Ross a letter and demanded he read it before they got back together. How many pages was that letter? 18 pages! 18 pages. Front and back! Front and back is correct! Wait, wait, go one more time! Oh my god. Here we go. Where's the tissue box? The cost of friends. Wow. Does Courtney still have her lines written on the table? We've literally just slipped right back. Oh. We regret. We have such a bond from this show. Were Ross and Rachel on a break? Yes. 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 Bullshit. <laughs> The first table read, that's the first time I laid eyes on any of you. Everyone was so perfectly cast. Yeah. This is from the one where everyone finds out. Oh! Oh! My eyes! I know. My eyes! <laughs> I remember I went to the producer of the show I was on, and he said, that show's not going to make you a star. I remember one time, I had to have the news on, and on the TV, was an aerial shot of each of our houses. Oh, jeez. And I remember looking at it going, what the... My roof is a mess. <laughs> it was an incredible time. We became <laughs> best friends. Yeah, I'm gonna cry now. When I watch the episodes, I'm laughing out loud because you all make me laugh so hard. I know you know how big the show is. What you have given so many people is an experience of huge comfort. We felt like we had these friends. I love you guys so much. And welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm still super exhausted, and I'm recuperating from this past weekend. All good news, by the way, because as I've stated multiple times on this show, I work at a movie theater, and business has started to pick up for us again with the official start of the summer movie season. We had A Quiet Place Part 2 and Disney's Cruella both kick our butts. But more specifically, A Quiet Place Part 2, which is the one that brought in a, a majority of the business. Um, so that was great to see. People, looks like, are starting to get back into the norm of things. You know, you still people got, you know, that haven't been vaccinated or, or even if they have been vaccinated, still wearing their masks and all. But it's nice to see that crowds of people were showing up for big summer movies. Um, a Quiet Place Part 2 took number one at the box office this weekend for the Memorial Day holiday. Um, I think over the four day, including the Monday of the actual holiday itself, I think the movie grossed a little over 50 million, which is uh, a new record in this pandemic era that we're in. You know, the whole, the entire box office landscape has totally reset itself. So maybe a while until we see a movie that hits past like a hundred million in its opening weekend. And I'm sure it won't be long, you know, Black Widow and Fast 9 are on the horizon. So those are possibilities, but yes, A Quiet Place Part 2 now holds the 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 biggest opening since since the start of the pandemic um but again great news and it's just it bodes well for movies like the conjuring and you know all these other summer movies coming up even space jam and new legacy uh the marvel movies of course everything's uh looking good and um 
the it's all just positive for my business so I, I couldn't be more thrilled yes we were getting a little bit overwhelmed and it was busier than usual but again nothing nothing but positive so i'm so happy about that um i was worried uh, and i've stated this before on a previous episode i was worried about what was going to happen to our business now that you know the pandemic uh has entered our into all of our lives right and and we've all experienced it and gone through this whole thing you know, you've seen certain businesses that didn't make it out of this thing and some that are still recuperating and trying to make a bounce back, including ours. Um, I think the only thing that has really changed for us is the shortening of the gap. So, for example, like we have a Quiet Place Part 2 that just premiered this weekend, right? It was, what, May 28th? And uh, I follow Blu-ray.com for all my home video releases. That'll tell me when everything's coming out, including like 4Ks and all that stuff. And they already have listed a quiet place for July. So no longer will we have movies like spending so many months in theaters. And it hasn't been like that for a while anyway. So it's been like a very long time since, since a movie has like lasted months in the theater. The last time I can remember where a movie was like there for like a bunch of months was frozen. And that opened like, I believe like in November, I forgot what year it was. And it went into the next year all the way to like about February or March. And that had, that had been the longest I had seen. And previous before that, you know, I've worked movies like Avatar where they were, where they had long legs and it was just forever, forever in the theater. You know, you go back to 2008 with The Dark Knight, opened in July and then like it lasted all the way to like September almost. So, you know, those days are long gone and they've just gotten shorter and shorter. So I think that's the only thing different that we're going to see is that movies are now going to not play for long at the theater, but they'll now be available to purchase on, you know, digital or if you're still into physical media like me, you'll be able to buy it quicker. And that's okay because most of these big movies do make their money in the first couple of weekends anyway. Like Avengers Endgame made like 300 and like almost 50 million in its first three days. And uh the next two weekends, like it's slowly like, but sure, I think it made more money, but you know, it, it, it didn't last like forever, so. The people, the people that want to see it and everybody that wants to see it goes within the first few weekends. So, but the only thing that, that Quiet Place has got going for it is that it's got, you know, it's not a day and day streaming. So not like, you know, Cruella, which you could watch at home. You would have to pay a $30 premium to watch it and own it as long as you have Disney plus, but a Quiet Place, I think that's why it had a better turnout. But, but also I think it was going to be the more attractive movie for moviegoers because it's just that type of movie where you want to be in a crowd with people and everybody being all tense. And I'll talk about that movie later on. Uh, I didn't place the trailer at the beginning of this pod because most of the trailer is very quiet and a lot, a lot of dialogue. So I put the friends reunion trailer, which I'm going to cover as well in this episode. I'm going to talk about my feelings and, and, and all of that after experiencing that, uh, like a year plus in the making. Um, but yeah, so a quiet place was, is going to have that opportunity to make all of its money in these first couple of weekends. Um, we'll see how much it's impacted next week because we got the conjuring. The devil made me do it, which is, you know, the conjuring universe itself has grown into this really interesting box office phenomenon. They've spinned off and done so many movies and you figured by now we'd be at like on conjuring six, but this is barely the third movie. So it's still like fresh in people's minds where it's not like, Oh, like another one of these, but so we're going to see how that impacts a quiet places box office uh, potential as far as like, you know, grossing as much as it can. Like, will it take away 
a lot of the audience. Um, will the good word of mouth of it, which is it's been getting, will that help it sustain uh, some interesting legs for the second weekend and on? So I, I'm looking forward to this weekend for A Quiet Place Part 2 versus The Conjuring. Two like movies in that same genre, horror, you know, just intense. And uh, obviously one's rated R, one's PG-13, but... We'll see who comes out on top. Maybe it might be a quiet place part two. Who knows? Like, you know, it's just, it's an easy sell of a movie. Um, not hard to get into. Conjuring, of course, rated R. So you'll be dealing with a lot of people that won't be getting to see the movie, you know, or they'll choose to watch it on HBO Max. So th- those are possibilities there. Movie nights, you know, with, you know, the youngins that won't be able to go into the theater. Maybe they'll like choose to, eh, we'll just watch it at home with friends and buy our snacks and whatnot. So it's going to be interesting to see. Whether this is the first movie that really gets impacted by the having it on a streamer and Quiet Place Part Two can emerge because that's the this is the only place you can see it right now is in a movie theater and uh, it was nice to see John Krasinski going around the different cities and whatnot. He was here in Texas. I wanted him to show up in San Antonio. John Krasinski, you know, our company has I think paved the way for theaters making a comeback. We've set the standard, so I would have loved to have seen your presence somewhere in San Antonio. But, you know, what can you do? But it was nice to see him going around all these different theaters that are open, including, like, our competitors, which are, I mean, I'm glad to see them thriving and and, and making a comeback, which is, you know, it's just good for the whole industry. So I'm excited about that. Um, News came out today about Alamo Drafthouse coming coming out of bankruptcy and opening up some new theaters. So, again, it's it's looking all upwards for, for our industry, so. Um, I'm looking forward to more summer movies and, and I'll be covering them on this show. Uh, we'll see what the next one I'm interested in. It's probably going to be Fast 9. Uh, the Conjuring movies, I don't know, those aren't really my thing. I think I remember only seeing the first one and haven't really seen the spinoffs like Annabelle or The Nun or La Llorona, which even though La Llorona would be more intriguing to me because I, kn- I heard stories about that all throughout my childhood growing up. So maybe I'll check that one out, but. I don't know, maybe, again, I'm all about the jump scares, right? So, like, in the theater, even The Quiet Place Part 2 has those, and <laughs> believe me, there were some good ones in this sequel, which I'll talk about in, in a little later on in the main event. Um, but yeah, the jump scares are, are what get to me inside a movie theater, so it makes it awesome, but it's also, like, I, I deal with a lot of anxiety sometimes, so it's not good for me, so maybe I'll... Maybe I'll watch The Conjuring at home on HBO Max, even though I prefer to watch my movies on the big screen. But if it's a horror movie, I'll make that exception just because of how I get emotionally. Uh, Quiet Place Part 2, I'm able to stomach it more because it's it's a horror movie, but it's it's more disguised as a thriller. It's like not intended to make you scared, even though it is a scary situation that these characters are in. It's not straight-up horror like The Conjuring where you're dealing with demons and all these different supernatural stuff so yeah whatever anyways uh let's take a quick break and when we come back i'm going to talk about the friends reunion and then of course a quiet place part two which i got to check out tonight on the imax screen the movie theater experience it's back it's up and running folks go out to your local cineplex and check out movies because they're going to be coming and they're going to be coming fast and furious pun intended this is palace off the top rope We'll be right back. Whatever happened that day. I think I hurt someone. That was not Arnie. We think your family was cursed. 
saving him worth everything you have? Because that's what it may very well cost. Right? Experience it in IMAX soon for it. Welcome back to the show. And once again, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It in theaters this Friday and also available on HBO Max if you're still not comfortable going out and want to watch it at home. But it's a big, scary movie. Go watch it with a crowd. Um, yell, scream, and all that stuff when all the jump scares are going on. Me, I'm going to watch it at home because I'm a scaredy cat with that stuff. Not the content, the jump scares. I want to put that out there. want make that perfectly clear. Um, but I digress. Anyways, um, the Friends reunion was this past week on HBO Max. Had a big premiere on Thursday. I stayed up Wednesday night going into that Thursday. So I stayed up at about 2 in the morning. Yes, folks, I am a diehard Friends fan. Um, if you want to check out my top 10 favorite episodes of the show, I actually did a podcast on it uh, back in, I believe it was 2019, right at the start when I was when I was making this show. It's an episode on there. Check it out. Um, I go deep dive into my favorite episodes. So I, this show has been around for me since I was young, and it's been about 17 years since the show ended, I, I believe, ended in 2004. So it was right around the time I was a junior in high school. And when they announced that, it's very rare when uh, these cast members get together for like a public appearance. So they had sort of a mini reunion a couple of years ago on this NBC show that was dedicated to like a, pro a producer. So they had all these cast members from all these different shows show up. And they had the Friends cast. But the only one who wasn't able to make it was Matthew Perry. So again, it wasn't complete. I think he was off doing a play or something like that. He wasn't able to attend. Um, so... When HBO Max launched, I believe it was, what, like a year and a half ago, um, they they announced that there was going to be a Friends reunion-type special that was going to be made. Now, what was actually it going to consist of? Nobody knew. Was it going to be like a brand-new episode, or was it going to be like a sit-down, like interview? Like, what was it going to be? But the pandemic hit, and they delayed it, of course. Um, a lot of stuff that was set to shoot uh, around like early March and all that stuff got put on the back burner because of the pandemic and all the restrictions and all that. And then um, once things started to get up and rolling in Hollywood and they started to you know, announce that stuff was going to start shooting again, um, a lot of questions came into mind where like, well, is this even going to happen? Or are they just going to forget about it? And... Uh, yeah, no, that they went through with it and they paid the cast members, I believe all of them made like two to three million just to come back to do this special. And it was finally announced that it wasn't going to be a new episode or, you know, a special episode or anything like that. It was just kind of them kind of coming together to reminisce about memories of the show. Like they weren't going to play their characters or anything. And I'm all for that. I love that. Like I didn't really, to be honest, like I kind of really didn't want to see a new episode or story anyway because i think the show wrapped up very beautifully like uh the producers have said like mainly what what the show was about was about that time in your life where the where your friends are your family were like most of your focus is on your career and finding love and and all that stuff and towards the end of the series like they all started to you know get families and babies and all that stuff so it was a perfect end to the series. It ran for 10 years from 1994 to 2004. I think it was 
absolutely funny throughout. It was a true ensemble. You know, I don't think the show belonged to anybody. Like, this is the star of the show. Like, yes, Jennifer Aniston became, like, a bigger, like, star, like, in the movies and, and whatnot. But as far as, like, the television show, like, everybody had their moment to shine, and which is so great. And not only that, like, shows usually lose steam, like, by the third or fourth season. And this ran for ten. And it's, like, consistent. And, again, I, I might be a little biased, but these episodes still make me laugh like I'm watching them for the first time. So it's done its job as far as, like, its longevity. And even the later episodes, like, are still even super funny. So that's just a testament to how amazing this show was for me for its 10-year run. There's shows that I've been into where, like, I can honestly say we're like, oh, man, like, it. this is kind of going on a little bit long. And one of the examples is One Tree Hill. I'm a huge One Tree Hill fan, and I just recently rewatched all of that series. And I got to tell you, like, the latter part of the seasons are just not as good. Like, they ran out of stuff to do, the storylines. Friends always had something because you had a true ensemble where you could focus you know, certain episodes on certain characters, you could pair them off into all these little different groups and they were all interesting and funny and, and entertaining. Like, and that's, a, and that's hard to come by. Like there's certain shows that you like where there's only like one standout character is like the best and everybody else is kind of like just like a supporting or whatever. But to me, friends, like you can make an entire episode about Phoebe and that's just as good as an episode about Ross and Rachel or an episode about Chandler and Joey, like in the early seasons, and then later on it's Chandler and Monica. You know, you could pair them off into all these different groups. Like, I loved episodes, for me specifically, I loved episodes where Chandler and Rachel would go off and do, like, their little adventures, because it's an interesting pairing, but it also works because they're everybody's hilarious, and everybody contributed to the show. So whatever this reunion, this special was going to be, I was going to be delighted either way. Like, I wasn't looking for... This tell all of, of, you know, deep, dark secrets and whatnot, because we all know, like, this show was very, like, the spotlight was on it, and it's covered a lot in the reunion about, like, how they, their lives just completely, like, skyrocketed, right? It was, like, it was all over the place. It was, it was in a very, at the top of the pop culture zeitgeist, in that bubble, like, they were at the very top, like, it was so popular. It was the number one show, like, for a long time. You know, they were on the cover of different magazines. They were on tele- different TV shows, promoting, you know, music videos, all this stuff, all these different things that just only they remember the experience and, and how crazy it was for them. So, yeah, like I, I was looking for it to be just if it's just a reminiscent of, of good memories of their time on that show, that's fine. And that's exactly what I got. And it wasn't just a sit down interview. So. If you haven't seen it yet, I'll just describe bits and pieces of it. So the show starts off with them, like, coming in to redesign sets from the show, like, you know, Monica's apartment, Chandler and Joey's apartment. And it's them coming in one by one, just reflecting and looking back on and how things, like, just look the same. And and then they finally reunite. And there's, like, early moments on where the, everyone's crying already. And, like, it's just that emotional, especially if you're a, die, if you're a diehard of this series. Like, it's going to be perfect for you because it, it hits all the right notes. Um, So they have that part of it, and it's them, like, you know, interacting with each other without, like, you know, a host or anything like that. So they're doing their own little thing. And then there's portions of the show where they're doing, like, table reads of classic episodes, 
like the one where, you know, everybody finds out and all these different things and they're just rereading their lines and it's just, it's cool to see them like just redo the lines and just, it just makes you feel good. That's one of the, that's one of the best things about Friends is that it's one of those shows. It's a comfort show, but it's, it's one of those shows that just like it, it's still funny to this day. Like everything still makes you laugh. The jokes all hit and a lot of the stuff like you can watch over and over and like it's like ah, it doesn't hit the same. But Friends, like I've rewatched this series a lot of times more recently because my daughters recently got into it. I don't know how they did. I remember they just for some reason we just ended up starting to watch it and they were hooked. And I can't tell you how many times they've rewatched this series from beginning to end. And all the jokes all land. They still land. And I've seen it I don't know how many times and it's incredible how much like that still stays with me. So it's them doing those classic, you know, reading of the lines of these, you know, different episodes. That was fun. Um, they, they do a sit down interview with James Corden, which is kind of like whatever, you know, you have people in the audience, you know, they're all socially distanced and they're interviewing them, asking them different questions, not like deep, dark secret stuff. Like we all know Matthew Perry struggled with you know, addiction and all that stuff throughout that series, which is why he had a lot of physical changes in his appearance, which I used to question a lot as a kid. And then after you read about it behind the scenes, it's like, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. But, you know, I, I don't, I didn't want to hear about any of that stuff. I want to hear about all the stuff that they were going through as they were filming the show, you know, rituals that they had, you know, they talked about how they all group up. Like, this is one of the best parts and one of the reasons why. I was looking for like secrets, but like fun stuff about the show. So like they used to do this thing before they would film an episode where they would all do a group hug or whatever and just wish each other a good show. Well, there was one episode where they didn't do it and it's in one of my favorite episodes. It was before the filming of the one where no one's ready and it's all taking place inside that apartment and they show this like unaired footage of uh Joey getting injured on set. Like he gets his arm popped out of his socket in a, in a, in a scene where they had done like so many takes already and had gotten good takes out of it, but they were like, eh, let's just film one more and see what happens. And, and sure enough, he pops his arm out of his socket and it's like, wow, like I totally didn't know about that or because that's in what season three. And I always wondered why, why is Joey at some point in that season, like in a sling? Like it's, it's explained in the story storyline wise, but it's like, man, he was in that thing for a while, but it turns out like it was an actual injury on set. So, cool little tidbits like that like i was I, it was nice to see about that and i'm sure that stuff's been out there forever but i don't go looking for everything all the time so yes as a diehard fan like it, it was fun to hear about things like that the whole like ross and rachel like there was actual like you know feelings there between the two of them in real life between jennifer aniston and david schwimmer so the chemistry works on well on screen so that's just an added layer to the, the Ross and Rachel, like, mythology, like, the fact that they actually did have feelings for each other. That was cool to find out about the series. Um, you know, the bloopers, of course, I've seen, if you've had, if you've had, like, the DVD versions of the show, you've, you've seen those bloopers before. So that wasn't new to me, but it was still fun to see them, like, look back on all that stuff and talk about just their time on the show and, and how much they actually cared for each other and whatnot. And I'm sure there was, you know, drama and all that stuff but is that really what you want to see like and i was reading reviews after and i usually don't because like i was gonna enjoy this no matter what yes i'm a mark for it jake what i mean is i'm a mark for friends um but 
like I wasn't gonna watch this and like, oh yeah, I wanna I wanna read about their struggles or what they whatever they did post this show that didn't hit off well. And that was a lot of the criticisms on the reviews I was reading on this where people were like, What was the point of this? Like why did they talk about like the stuff that didn't age well? Like I, we get it, people. Like everybody wants to be woke now and wants to call out all these different movies, shows, music, whatever for stuff that maybe wasn't, you know, that was funny back then, even though it's in a total sense of it all. Like it's not funny, but that's just the way the world has evolved. Like we can't treat everything like the way it is now in, in 2021. Like, yes, there's jokes in there. That probably wouldn't land or stick today. But back then, that's just, you know, the, again, our world and our, you know, pop culture bubble, it's evolved through time. And yes, like, it, but if we keep judging everything through the lens of 2021, like, you're just, you're not going to enjoy anything. And I'm not going to let those people rob me of my joy of friends or people that just want to diss on the show because, like, oh, like, they, it's a show like with all white people or whatever. Like that has nothing to do with it with me. Like to me, it's just a funny show. It ha- race has nothing to do with it as far like again. If they made friends in 2021, of course it would be forced down our throats about diversity, which I get it. I'm all for that. But to have great stuff in movies and TVs and all that stuff, diversity has to be a part of it, not the entire thing. And I think that's where a lot of the a lot of it feels forced today where it's like they want to throw it in your face. And, I, and I'm speaking as a Latino, Hispanic, Mexican, however you want to call me. So I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a person of privilege or anything like that. So don't come at me for any of that stuff. I'm just telling you like it is. Like I love when stuff comes naturally. If you're going to give me diversity, cool, but don't shit on friends because, because of who they got casted and, and what they're, you know, what their ethnicity is like that doesn't matter i like it because it's a funny show the characters are entertaining they're all you know energetic and they have all these different qualities that make them awesome like that's what made the show and to hate on it just because you're in 2021 and like oh it's a show about just white people in new york like then you're gonna hate on everything because there's you can pick apart any freaking movie or tv show or music or whatever from the past and you can nitpick it to death and it's like where's the joy in that like and why do you want to bring that to a reunion and talk about stuff that didn't age well like no like just reminisce on the show reminisce on the fun good stuff don't reminisce on the jokes or whatever that didn't land that doesn't land now but just reminisce on the fun times so i enjoyed all of that and all the reviews that were negative because of that fact and they'd be like oh i'm the address matthew perry's like addiction problems and all that stuff Then, then it becomes a depressing thing and that's not what a reunion is supposed to be a reunion is supposed to be a gathering and reflecting on on a on a certain point of time and in your life where like it was just a, a great part of it, so yeah, the the reunion gave me everything that I wanted it to be. There was some stuff in there like that I could have done without. Um, they had some celebrity cameos like like for example, like David Beckham and I forgot who else talk about like why Friends was good to them or why it meant so much to them, and it was kind of like whatever. Like, I, I felt like it would have been better if they had gotten, like, everybody who had been on the show, which you do see cameos from. Like, they talked to Reese Witherspoon. She's perfect because in the show, she played Rachel's sister. So that her memories of that are perfect and, and her feelings on it are genuine because she was a part of the show. 
you know, would it have been cool to see like a Brad Pitt interview about how his how his time was there, you know, regardless of whatever was going on in his relationship with Jennifer Aniston, you know, but just, you know, reflecting on his memories of the show. So you had all these different. So like the celebrity parts of it that didn't involve people who weren't on the show, that stuff was weird, like Mindy Calling and all that stuff. Like, I don't care what they think. Um, it was nice to see like different um, people from around the world who were impacted by friends and even those who were like who 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 are like me sometimes like where you get into a funk you get into this state of depression and that show's always there for you to watch as a comfort and like it gets you out of it and and you get a joy out of it so it was nice hearing that from people around the world that kind of like have gone through the same thing and use that show as like a comfort because of the characters being all funny and and just how much of a joy it is to watch so i like that part of it again the cameos that they that they did get from people who have been on the show were incredible like the guy who plays mr heckles like he was already kind of old in the show but then to see him come pop out and it's like man he's still alive like that's great it's good it's awesome but I, i didn't think he was still around so that was nice to see you know tom Selleck shows up he was you know monica's boyfriend richard in the show for a couple of seasons and then almost got in the way of monica and chandler's you know engagement so it was fun to see him uh back there and like in a cameo appearance so again that that's all that's all what the show was it was just you know all these different segments weaving through and like yeah some of it was part documentary where you had like the producers and the creators of the show talking about casting and all that stuff so all that stuff was fun to hear it was a nice little special. It wasn't cut and dry, like just straight up sit down interview, like which I thought it was going to be. No, it, it it did all these different things, and it would cut to all these different things. Um, another thing that they did was they reenacted a, a scene from one of another one of my favorite episodes was the one with the embryos, and that's the one where uh, Joey and Chandler play against uh, Monica and Rachel for the apartment, and they did the game show with Ross doing the questions of who knows who the best. So they kind of redid that and it's like, uh, it just brings back so many great memories of, of watching, you know, that episode specifically for me because it's, I want to say it's my favorite episode of all time. That can change, you know, given just because there's so many great episodes that can fluctuate on any given day for me. Uh, but yeah, overall the, the, the reunion was exactly what I wanted it to be. If you're a diehard of the fan, of the, of the show, like you're going to love it too. And I guarantee you, if you haven't seen it yet, like, check it out. Anybody else that just didn't have any relationship to the show, they're going to shit on it, and they have shit on it, and they're going to just shit on the show in general. Like, whatever. Let them be. Like what you like. I love Friends, so those reviews didn't bother me. Um, so I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole after I watched the reunion because it did what it was supposed to do. It brought back all the feels. You know, I got emotional. I laughed, and... Again, it was just a comfort to see them all together again, even though they're probably never going to do it again. So it was a big deal. It meant something. So um, was it worth the wait? Absolutely. So um, if those of you that are expecting like them to do like a new scene or anything like that or a new uh, story, they don't do that. And Lisa Kudrow actually gives a good reason why they shouldn't do it. And it's a it's just a it's a reminder of some stuff that should be left alone. Because she was like, oh, like if we wanted to, because I think that's one of the questions that James Corden asked them. was like, oh, would you all be interested in doing like a movie of where your characters are at now? And Lisa Kudrow was like, well, that's not up to us. That's up to like the writers and the creators. And she's like, but even then, she's like, they would have to undo all the endings that got tied up for them. Like 
yeah, they would have to unravel all that. And I was like, that's so true. And you think about stuff like Star Wars, like the way they, you know, they just had to continue on, right? Because it's a big franchise and there's a lot of money to be made and Disney just wants to, you know, keep that machine rolling. But, you know, you, you look back on the Star Wars movies, the new ones that they did, and they just unraveled and undid the happy ending that, you know, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia all got. They got the happy ending. But then when they did these new movies, they unraveled and, you know, undid the story and it went on and, you know, they all suffered the fates that they did. So I like that Lisa Kudrow said that, like, no, like, we don't want to unravel, like, the way they tied it up. Like, why we don't need to see what their characters are, are like now or what they're up to now. It ended. It had a. It had its run, and uh, it ended happy. Like why ruin a happy ending? So, I was really um, excited to hear Lisa Kudrow state that. And now, it, again, it just gave me more confidence. And like, yeah, you know what? I did. I don't want to see like another episode or a movie or, or anything. Like that. If it happened, like, would I still watch? Absolutely. But you know, the show had its run, and it ended perfectly. So yeah. Um, but as far as them like doing another public appearance altogether, I mean, they got paid a lot of money to do it, um, and they haven't done it in forever. Which and what and it's been like almost twenty years that they got back together. So I highly doubt they're going to do it again. Um, so again, it, it made the the special even more. You know that just once in a lifetime type thing, and it's good. That's the way it should be. Like you know, it was a fun time in our lives. That show was around and. We can always go back and watch episodes again. It's on TV every day. It's on TBS. It's on Nick at Night. You know, wherever you, you know, every time I turn on my YouTube TV, Friends is always on at some point. So I know it's never going to go away. And then, of course, you can stream it on HBO Max. The entire series is on there. Um, and we're still watching it to this day during this pandemic. Uh, or, yeah, we're still watching it. So it's it's a lot of fun. And I don't think I'll ever, ever get tired of that show. And it's one of the my favorites of all time, and I was happy to experience this this reunion special. And yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Let's take one more last break. When we come back, a quiet place part two, my review. This is Palace off the top rope. We'll be right back. It's a story of an barrio called Washington Heights. The streets were made of music. A dream isn't some sparkly diamond. There's no shortcuts. Sometimes it's rough. In the Heights, rated PG-13, in theaters and on HBO Max, June 11th. Welcome back to the show, and it's going to be great. Now that the movies are starting to get released by the big studios week after week, you're going to start to hear new ads for these movies on each one of these episodes that I'm doing. So, like, that makes me feel good. Like, it's like, that's back to normal. So, not full normal, but we're getting there. Um, Before I get to A Quiet Place Part 2 and my review of it, uh, I want to give a shout-out. I haven't really discussed wrestling all too much since WrestleMania, but... I did catch AEW's pay-per-view Double or Nothing, which was this past Sunday, and I gotta say they put on a fantastic show. Uh, almost four hours, but it was all enjoyable, all great matches. Finally got to see my girl Britt Baker win the AEW Women's World Championship from Hikaru Shida. It was a long time coming. This, this girl has been developing her character over the past year during this pandemic. 
And she's just been on fire, you know, kind of the same way like a Becky Lynch in WWE was doing. Just She just grew into this person that she knew what the character was and has just made the best out of it. She's a heel character, but she's now that they've got an audience, which was one of the fun things about this Double or Nothing show. Uh, probably the probably the most memorable thing about it was the fact that they had an actual live crowd in front of it. Um, I know WrestleMania did, but there was points in that show where it's like, not that it was crickets, but they weren't reacting to everything. No, this show, the audience was into almost everything. And of course, uh, when you build a great character, even if it's a heel, if it resonates with the audience, they're going to cheer for you. And that happened with Dr. Britt Baker playing a heel character, but they wanted to see her win the championship so bad, and she did. Um, so that was awesome. That was great to see them deliver on that. It was a long time coming and Tony Khan and AEW, what the hell were y'all waiting for? You finally crowned her. Now, now she has the, the title. Now she's got to take the ball and run with it. Like, so make sure they use her on television every week. That's going to be your, one of your top sellers there. Like we, we gotta, we gotta realize that this is the future. This is now. And women's wrestling has kind of like been, at the forefront for a while now, and AEW needs to capitalize on that as well. WWE has, but they're missing Becky Lynch right now, so it's not the same. So um, if AEW can capitalize on that and put her more on the forefront, give her more television time, more matches, it's just it's going to be great television and people will be behind it. Um, the triple threat match, or three-way dance as they call it, uh, between Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac for the AEW World Championship was just such an amazing match. Um, if... If it's a three people wrestling in one match, that can go either way. Sometimes it could be like a whatever match, or it could be a standout. And this is probably one of the better ones that I've seen in a very long time. Still not the best one of all time, but it was very fun and very energetic. Again, the crowd played a huge part in it, so um, it elevated to an even higher degree. So good job by all those three men in that match. And then, of course... Uh, the main event, the stadium stampede with the inner circle against the pinnacle led by Chris Jericho and MJF. Uh, they all had a great battle there. Just a fun, fun pay-per-view. And just a reminder that wrestling can be so much fun if done correctly. If you give the audience just a good entertaining show and don't pull the rug underneath them and, and great things will happen. So it was nice to see wrestling in front of a live audience again, a live energetic, like just over the top into everything. That's when wrestling is at its best, and there's nothing better, folks. I promise you. So, if AEW is going to be drawing crowds like this going forward, like I'm hoping to go to a show in July, um, and if it has that same energy like they did for this pay per view, just those shows are going to be more fun to go to than a WWE show where it's like almost hard to sit through. Like Monday Night Raw is coming to San Antonio in uh, I believe August, and I'm like, I don't want to sit through three hours of that. I mean, unless you got Becky Lynch there returning or you know if the product improves by then but it hasn't i don't even watch wwe anymore since wrestlemania i have yet i have no idea what's going on uh aw is keeping my attention so that's the only wrestling i'm watching right now so but they pulled off a hell of a pay-per-view if you haven't seen it order it on br live um it was just a super fun show top to bottom so good job by them and they have all the momentum right now in the wrestling world, like, and they just announced that they're going to get a second television show on TNT. Um, I think coming later in the year, I think in September, which is going to be on Friday nights after SmackDown. So, AEW men, they're just trending upwards, and it's good to see. And if WWE, you know, they can't see things like you know and try to improve their product, I mean, they're going to be in trouble. Like, 
years down the road. Like they're good financially for a while, they're set. But you know, the, if the quality of the product doesn't improve, they're going to continue to lose a lot of viewers. Um, but yeah, fun, fun show, guys. Check that out. Let's get to uh, the final main event of the show. A Quiet Place Part Two was, of course, the number one movie in America and raked in around fifty-two million. Highly anticipated sequel. Again, this was supposed to come out last year, but of course the pandemic. So it just made the anticipation build even more. I think it was going to do good regardless because the first movie did so well. Not just box office wise, but critically. And I remember seeing the first movie. I didn't get to see it in the theater. It was very busy during that time. And then it came and went. So I just never sat in the theater. Not that I didn't want to see it. I just... I never had the chance. I was always working. And then, of course, it was, you know, things were picking up and just never got around to it. So I got to see it later in the year. I think I streamed it on Voodoo or something like that. And I was like, holy crap. Like, this was John Krasinski's, like, kind of like directorial debut, I think. Or, or I think he may have directed a movie before this. But this was, like, him doing his first major, like, Hollywood big studio movie. And it was done really well. And the story was really fun and very unique. Because, again, the whole gimmick of A Quiet Place is that, the chunk of that movie is that it really is in silence and you really are on the edge of your seat because it's like any little noise that you make is going to attract these monsters or, or aliens. I really don't know what to call them. I'll, I'll just say aliens for it to be more scarier because to me, aliens are the scariest thing in the world. Um, if I were to encounter one in real life, I don't know what I would do. I, I'm fascinated by anything alien-like. So, again, I was attracted to this movie because of that fact. And that was the whole gimmick of it. And it was it was a fun. Exp- I'm sure it would have been a super fun experience in the theater, but I didn't get to experience it like that. So when I was watching it at home, I was like, man, I could only imagine the tense feeling you would have gotten in the theater. So I was able to experience the sequel, which again brings that same level of tension and drama and high stakes. Um, but I'm gonna. Uh, I'm. It sucks to report that I don't think it's as good as the first movie. Still a fun movie to watch. But there's a lot of stuff that doesn't hit. Um, so if you've seen the first movie, and spoilers for those who haven't, like, I'm sorry, like, the, the first movie's been out for a while now. If you haven't seen it, that's on you. Uh, spoilers, John Krasinski does sacrifice himself at the end to save the family, uh, specifically his daughter who is, uh, is deaf. So he does like this big sacrifice because she's about to get like eaten or killed by the, by the alien. And he does this, loud yell it's very dramatic and he gets killed right so like and it's all to save his family so they survive and the movie ends the sequel picks up right after literally right after that so it's kind of like in that same timeline but the movie starts with a little bit of a prologue kind of telling you how things got started so okay cool so john krasinski a little bit of ego in him and i would probably would have done the same thing the guy writes himself into the sequel and he's in this prologue. So he's in the beginning of the movie showing you how everything gets started. And it's a very, very good action sequence. So Krasinski has his stuff. He knows his shit. So I can't wait to see what he does next. I don't know if he's going to go back to doing smaller movies or maybe, you know, I mean, the obvious thing is for him to go do like a Marvel or DC movie, right? I mean, that would be the easy thing to do, but I would love to see, him do just a venture into another action movie, see what he can do. He's got, he, he's got, he's got that part of it down. Um, so yeah, so you have this big, awesome action prologue of a sequence, and it, it's very well done. 
Uh, Chillian Murphy kind of like takes up the mantle of that a little bit in that Krasinski role because he's not around in this one except for the beginning of the movie. And the story, I'll say the, the, the tense sequences with, with the alien and, and the creative things that they did in this movie were, were interesting and those parts did give me a lot of anxiety and a lot of tension, which is the whole point, right? So that part is done very well in the movie, but as far as like the plot and advancing it, it kind of just fell flat for me a little bit. Like it's going and it's, it's doing well. And then we get to like the final climax of the movie and everything happens and whatnot. And then it, and then it just ends like the, the, and it's like, well, what was the point? Like, like they literally just, it just felt like the next step into like the next movie. Like you're going to have to wait for the next one. And I mean, I get it. This movie is now a franchise, and the fact that this one made even a lot more money, or not a lot more money, but close to what the original did, considering the circumstances we're in with this pandemic, they're going to make a third movie. Like, that's obvious. But what really, like, bummed me out, and at our location, we showed a, a live Q&A after the premiere of the movie where John Krasinski was in a uh, interview with J.J. Abrams, and it was broadcasted around the world. And he was talking about how he didn't want to make this movie just to make a sequel. But when you're watching it play out and then the way it ends, it's like, well, it was just a sequel. Like it was, it felt like a cash grab. But the way he was promoting it, and I mean, this is no fault to his own. Like he, he's a really good director. Like he's done it with two movies. Like this is a well directed movie. Like I'm not faulting this movie at all, but like story wise, like, you know, you want to expand and improve, and, and it's got to be bigger in story, not just in spectacle. But the story just fell flat for me. And the fact that the movie just ends, like, it it leaves you on a cliffhanger. So it's like, okay, so the story's really not complete. And again, I get it. But if you're, if you're doing a sequel, and the way he's describing, like, oh, I didn't want to do it just to do it. But it feels like that once you watch it. And it's like, well, that's exactly what you just did. Like, there was no beginning and end. It's just like... It's just, it, the railway, railway just kept going and then it cuts off. It's like, okay, now here's the part you just saw. Now wait for the next one. So whenever the eventual third movie comes out, like, is it just going to be an ongoing thing where we're going to get like five quiet place movies and, you know, there's not going to be a logistical end to this thing? Um, the, the added Chillian Murphy character was kind of like whatever. I didn't really care about him. You know, you care more about Emily Blunt and the kids and the baby and all that, making sure that they're safe, you know, because you, you grew to care, care about them in the first movie. So they're fine, but then Emily Blunt isn't really given much to do in this movie. You know, the story is more, or whatever story there is, is focused more on Chillian Murphy and the, the young daughter, the, the deaf daughter, who kind of, she really takes up the role of Krasinski more than Chillian Murphy. I just mean, and men in star power, uh, but this, the movie becomes more about her, so Emily Blunt is kind of, like, left there to the side. And, again, like, not a lot happens in this movie. Once you watch, you're like, well, nothing, not really a lot happened. And, and then it ends, and then you're left feeling like, what? Like, that was that was the whole build-up to it. Again, well-directed movie. Not going to fault Krasinski. He's got it down. But I am going to fault him for, like, really hyping this thing like it was going to lead to some, like, amazing story and it was just like it just kept pulling the strings like it was it looks like it was going to go to something and then it just it just ends so on my rating scale i'm still going to give it a three because it's watchable and it's 
it's got all that tension and anxiety and it gives you the jump scares it's it's there so um like the gimmick worked again with the whole silence part of it and it being all like dramatically tense like all that works again um so i'm glad i got to experience that but the story falls a little flat so that's why you know this doesn't get like a three and a half to almost four stars like the first movie i would give like three and a half stars like it was well done like it, for for him doing like that type of movie as his first big studio movie excuse me um he did a really fantastic job with it and he directed this one really well but again the story just falls a bit flat i wish it was more of emily blunt i wish this was more her movie and it's really not once you watch it like she's built she's on the poster she's first build but i really wish she had more to do um but that's going to do it for my review of A Quiet Place. Still check it out, folks, at your local theater if it's open uh, around the world, around the nation. Um, we want we want, we want, want these movies just to continue to do well, and it's just good for our business. But that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I got my sp- spinoff series, 90s Films Turn 30. We're off and running on that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Use, is coming next week. And uh, we'll see if I have the guts to to watch the conjuring this weekend on hbo max and maybe i'll do another episode next week and and preview that but as far as this podcast goes um you can search it on spotify search palace off the top rope hit that follow button i do share this podcast link through my social media pages on facebook twitter and instagram through podbean.com you can download the app you can listen to it there if you're an apple person you can subscribe on apple podcast Leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Also available on iHeart, Radio, and Amazon. I've tried to put it on as many platforms as I can. So, yeah, go check it out whenever you get a chance. Go check out A Quiet Place Part 2. It's a fun theater, movie movie theater experience. It's like a movie like this. You have to experience it with a crowd in a gigantic movie screen. It's the only way to do it. My opinion, but I really think it should be like that. Anyways, that's going to do it, guys. Take care. Have a good weekend. God bless you.